Welcome to another edition of the Built for the Storm podcast. Hosted by three-time World Series champion Jeremy Affelt. Affelt brings it. Chopper on the infield. Affelt to the bag himself. Get ready to experience life's winding journey through the minds of proven leaders in the worlds of sports, business, and entertainment. And he strikes out. That's four straight for Affel. Can't do it any better than Jeremy Affel. As they draw up your own personal playbook to overcoming the odds and achieving real success. We just don't give up. We don't quit. You know how we pieced everything together, man. Seeing teams win like this, the way we win. What's the best way to weather a storm? Run into it head on, charging full steam ahead. This is unbelievable, you know, game seven. I mean, this will be a memory for a long time for me. I'm so happy I got to come to the park today. Here's the fearless leader of our pack, Jeremy Affelt. Welcome back. I know it's been a long time. I took a huge break. Business and life happened, and uh, so we had to take a little bit of break so I could handle some other things. Now I'm back on. And we're going to start going again. So for the listeners, thank you for staying with me. And welcome back to Built for the Storm podcast. For our first one of 2024, I have an awesome guest, Jen Guidry. I'm super excited for her. She actually is going to be doing our women's night that we have here at the brewery. Uh, she's doing our March. So look for that. If you're local, if you're around San Antonio or Bernie, Texas, uh, March 1st, she will be on the stage, which is our flatbed truck out back. It's a fun little deal uh, starting at 7 p.m. Jen, just going over your bio, looking at several things. You've had quite the life. Quite the I have. <laughs> <laughs> Not it's an only, Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. I'd like to get into some of it, too. Just, you know, just reading a little bit about it on, you, you know, you're in the mortgage industry since you were 19. And some people listening, they're like, well, big deal. So <laughs> I'd like to hear your story on that because it's, it's a good one and people need to hear it. Because, you know, you tend to, with the workaholic situation, one of the things that you really like to do is, is not, a, it does, success can happen and being a successful person is okay, but balancing that with life is super important as well. And you kind of, I know you like to talk about that. So I really want to get into you balancing your life with a, an ability to have a high profile, successful life as well, knowing that you can be human and be successful. You don't have to sacrifice one over the other. So I'm, I'm really uh, interested in that. You're a best-selling author. You're successful and a best-selling author. That's kind of a scenario that podcasts seem to kind of be cliche when they're on podcasts, right? But <laughs> it's more than that because you've done more than those things. And, and you're just seeing some of these things with it. You're obviously an adventurous person. You've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. You're an adventurous person, whether you like it or not, by being part of a 6.7 earthquake. You're breaking <laughs> ankles, running from wasps and hornets and all these things. You know, you've had quite the life, but also quite the uh, tough life in other ways at storms that you don't ask for. You've been raped. You've been molested. You've had cancer. Uh, you survived death a few times, obviously. So I'd like to kind of just talk about all that because life deals us <laughs> blows, right, that we don't always ask for. You, you had alcoholic right. parents, the abusive relationships. You can't always know that that's going to happen. And then being raped and molested, those things that you cannot control, those are things that are terrible things that happen to us that we don't ask for. But you figured out a way. You figured out a way to get past those things and, and charge that storm a little bit. So, But I kind of want to get into get into all of it if we can. Uh, but you, let's start early on. 19, you chose mortgage uh, industry, which that's not something people wake <laughs> up at 19 and think, I'm going to be a mortgage broker. You know, I'm going to have my own yeah. mortgage business. You know, what? what, 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 what what was the thought process going into that? 
you know, it, it's funny. There, there wasn't a thought process. It happened very uh, serendipitously. Um, my whole life, I wanted to be a doctor. I went to school to be a doctor. I went to college to be a doctor. And um, at the ripe old age of 19, I sold everything. I'm from Buffalo, New York, originally. Yeah. And it snowed in May. And I said, I'm done. And I sold everything I owned. I quit school and I moved out to Southern California. And when I got there, nobody would hire me. I interviewed everywhere. And I'm not talking like corporate jobs. I'm talking like Petco and like yeah. retail places. And I'm like, what in the heck is going on? And turns out that is not what was in my plans. And yeah. Through a series of events, I mean, I was down on myself one day. I went to the pool in the apartment complex uh, where I was living at the time. I mean, we had nothing. We lived in a, an apartment that was completely empty, had no money, and had cardboard boxes and sleeping bags. And that's it. Ramen noodles, macaroni and cheese. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah. And this yeah. girl saw me and she started talking to me. And, you know, she's like, hey, come to a party tonight. And I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to go to a party. Like, I don't feel like I'm too down on my luck. She's like, just go. And I said, okay. So later on that night, went to a party. And within the first like five minutes, I overhear someone going, man, I just can't find anyone good to work. And I'm like, hmm. yeah. and I walked yeah. up to them and <laughs> I said, work. what kind of job? What kind of yeah. job is it? Like, whatever job. Because I mean, again, I had been there for months, gone on 20, 30, 40 interviews. Nobody would hire me. Hmm. And ends up, she was interviewing as a receptionist at a mortgage company. And I went there, interviewed, started that Monday, and the rest is history. You know, within six months, you know, I started looking around. I had re-enrolled myself back in college. And I'm like, I could totally do this. Like, I'm watching yeah. these people, what they're doing, how they're working with people. And since I was in school, I just went and I got my loan officer license. I didn't tell anyone I was doing it. I just did it. And when I graduated, you know, got my license, I went up because I was still a receptionist. Yeah. I went up to the, the head receptionist because there was like 15 of us. And I said, hey, I want to be a, a loan officer. And again, 19 years old, super naive. I'm like, well, why wouldn't they hire me for a loan officer? I'm perfectly capable. And she looks at me and she goes, you're a receptionist. You're not a loan officer. And I'm like, okay, well, I quit. <laughs> so yeah. I ended up quitting. And I, I looked in the newspaper because this, again, 1990s, we didn't have, you know, the yeah. internet searches like we do now, yeah. Yeah. right? The Google. And I, I found this guy in the newspaper and he said, willing to train, went on the interview. And I said, look, I have no idea what I'm doing, but give me a script and I will figure it out. And it was all like inbound sales. He did like massive mailers across the country back then. And Next thing you know, I'm the top loan officer in the company. But there's got to be something that causes that, though, because at 19, there's a lot of 19 year olds that don't think that way, though. There's a lot of 19 year olds like when I'm 19, I don't need a job. I'll just live in debt because I'll figure it out, you know, rather than a 19 year old says I'm done. I'm going from pretty much just the North Pole to the equator. You know, you went from cold to hot, not even hot, just perfect weather. I mean, Southern California, I mean, I think everybody, perfect. everybody would probably tell you that the San Diego area, if you could afford to live there, man, there's some people that would just like, that's perfect. There's never too hot or too cold of a time. It's just perfect all the time. So, but there had been something in 19 or something in you even before that, though, 
that gives you that thought process that I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to keep going rather than like, wow, no one can give me a job. 19 year olds, no one going to give me a job. I'm going to go back home, back home because it didn't work out. You said, no, I'm going to figure it out. Then you went to the receptionist because you took that job. Then you're like, wait, I can do this. I'll figure this out. I'll quit this job, start over there. And then I'm going to become one of the top loan officers in the company, if not the top loan, but something, but what is in you that causes you to say, that's a drive. That's just not normal. Yeah. Young, you know? So I, I always say the answer to that question, there's, there's a couple of things that number one, I, I figured out at a very young age, I mean, I started working when I was 11, you know, delivering papers and having to go and like collect money from people and go door to door and learn that responsibility. And so I, I developed a really good work ethic very early on. So that's number one. Number two is I knew again, at a very young age that I was meant to do something great. Like I knew I was going to be successful. I just didn't know in what, because I wanted to get out of there, get out of my environment and really make a name for myself and, and help people really more than anything. And it's, it's funny because someone asked me this a couple of days ago, they're like, well, what was your like defining moment? And I, I thought about it and I'm like, you know what, my whole life, especially, you know, growing up in a, in a tumultuous childhood, like I had, and, you know, you have these different things happen to you, but I thought I was dumb. I didn't know that I was smart. I didn't have high self-esteem. I didn't have, you know, that self-love. I looked for it in, in everyone else and everything else, but myself, but in a fourth grade, I got my first A mm -hmm. and I'm like, wait a second, Jen, if you can get one A, then you can get all A's. And that's what I did. I was like, everything I did was like, I just wanted to be better than what and where I was. Got you. And that one A spurred a whole, you know, high school uh, full of A's graduating, not at the top of my class, but pretty close to the top of my class, getting a full scholarship to school, being in the honors classes. An interesting fact is I actually never graduated from college at all, even though I love, sure. uh, I love school very much, but, you know, getting into the mortgage business and succeeding and, you know, making decent money at a, you know, 19 years old, 20 years old. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't need to keep going. But so there's that. And then I also learned that in life, when you are dealt with things that you cannot control, the only thing you can control is your reaction to them. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not giving up. Just like your motto, like the Buffalo, like I ran into the storm. That's I went right. full speed ahead going, I am fearless. And if I fail, I fail. And trust me, I have failed a lot. Yeah. However, I learned from failing and it made me better, made me stronger each time I failed. And I don't look at failures, right? As being a bad thing. Failures are awesome. I wish yeah. like everyone needs to fail a whole teachable bunch of moments. Life. I call them teachable they moments. Know. They are. Yeah. 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 They need to know, you know, that like, it's a good thing. If you fail, you're going to fall on your face. I've been poor. Mm -hmm. I've been poor, but you know what? It was also the best time of my life yeah. was when I had nothing. Mm -hmm. So, but do you think, because my wife, she had just a really tough childhood growing up, just kind of moved around, changing families, bumping around. And she was the same way. She had a baby at 17, you know, and then she, she put herself through DeVry. She put herself into these situations to be successful and 
TCU hired her to be, you know, one of the head admin on the tech on IT. Like she's just super smart, but she's driven the same way you are. Like, no, I'm going to figure this out, not give up. I'm going to do something here and I'm going to push through and I'm going to be somebody regardless of my situation. And so for me, there's something about that. Do you think with alcoholic parents or with just a tougher childhood that wasn't so cut and dry easy of like, oh, you have the world. You had to survive almost, right? You had to, that kind of that whole survival mode of like, I've got to do your paper route or whatever. When you were 11, you know, like all those things of like, I got to do something because I've got to get going here. Do you think that was part of it where a lot of people will say, well, I'm a product of my environment. I had this, I had that. That's why I turned out this way. It seems like an excuse, but then some people want to buy into it. Does that make yeah, sense? I, I've never, yeah, I, 100%. And, and this is something that, I mean, I talk to a lot of other women on this subject because I tell everyone, okay, yeah, you know what? My father, he was an alcoholic and it sucked growing up. However, it's one of the things that made me very successful today because what I learned is I learned how to read people. I learned body language. I learned facial expressions. I learned all of that stuff. And then I took that, what I learned and applied it towards my life and it comes in really handy right when you're in sales and leadership oh, yeah. when you can read people and i just read this recently and it resonated with me so much you're going to have pain in life it can either be the pain of victimhood or it can be the pain of growth and the choice is completely yours so the people that choose to learn from their past to become stronger through their past to not let it define them in a negative way those are the ones that skyrocket in life, but the people that just sit there and be like, Oh, poor me, you know, my mom was mean, you know, and that's why I'm not successful today. Like that doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. That's their mindset. And you can change that mindset. I like it. I think that's super important. I think that's the whole point of the Buffalo Buffalo. Don't sit there and worry about how cold or how hot it is. They just make it where they need to go. They figure it out. They get it done. They keep pushing. They keep pursuing. They herd up if they have to. They push each other. Like there's that whole sense of of of, of when you're dealing with storms, the fight or flight kicks in, but there's mm -hmm. not a lot of successful people that flight. It's always the fight. It's always the, no, I will figure this out. But the problem sometimes is, and I see it, I, I see it in my own bride sometimes, the work situation is sometimes when you're very successful or you have that driven mentality, you almost get to where you're so hyper-focused that you're not present with anybody. You're just focused on one thing and you can get into that workaholic mentality where it's like, you almost will sabotage stuff in some ways. Like yeah. I've, I've yeah. seen people workaholics that they'll sabotage relationships just because they're like, wait, if I have a good relationship, then I'm not going to work as hard and I need to work hard because that's what I do. And that's where I feel comfortable. So I'm, I'm going to sabotage it just so that I can save working more and it's counterproductive, but it makes it successful. So there's a balance there that you have to try to figure out. And that's kind of, yeah. I think what you were starting to figure out, correct? Yeah. And you know, my launching pad for really figuring it out because I was the workaholic. I put work in front of everything and I screwed up every holiday, every vacation, every relationship that I was in, because I thought that you could either be successful or you could have a balanced life, but you can't have both. Mm. And when I had cancer, and this is one of the things I'm going to speak about in March, when I had cancer, I'm like, hmm, there's got to be a way to do both. There's got to be a way to do both. And 
I figured it out, but I'm not going to tell you my secrets on uh, here. Because don't do that's, it. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't tell yeah. me. That. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It yeah. is 100% possible to lead a very balanced life where you are a, I'll call it a, a high level worker and you are also high level at home. And it's very simple, the formula. And I'll give you guys my cheat code when we talk, but it, it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, we're programmed to think that, you know, especially in sales, that you have to be available 24 seven in order to be successful. But the little tweaks that I made, I actually ended up working half the time yeah. and making double the money. Yeah, yeah. And the business took off and they all thought that I was insane for yeah. doing the things that I did. And I'm like, well, guess who's the insane one now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Because you have a sane life and you have, you said, you, you said you balance everything and healthiness is that. I find for me, even my wife and I were just talking about this the other day, you know, we work too much. We've had to take over the brewery a little bit more and we've been putting a little more energy because some of the developments that we've been doing and we figured out that we're not as we're more irritable with each other or the kids or, or just life or because we get out of our routines, we get out of that balanced life of like, okay, what allows us to think clearly, breathe clearly, eat right, sleep more, which is what we need sleep deeper to recover. What are we, what are we getting? You figure out that, well, you make excuses to get away from those things because of work rather than say, no, work's going to happen well because we do these things. And there is that mentality you have to have, but people, they're so driven. Some people are in that mentality, you know, like the Enneagrams, like those eights, like my wife's an eight, you're probably an eight, right? You take over the world. You, I got it. I'm, gonna, I'm going after it, right? I'm a two and I'm an unhealthy eight, right? When I'm in my unhealthy two, I become an eight, but not in a good way. Like I'm like, you know, but I'm a two. So it's like, I'm more like relational, like connecting. And that's why I like what I do. Cause I'm in the brewery business, but I'm like, mm, but I'm actually here for the community. I'm not yeah. here for, for, I got a guy that makes unbelievable beer business. I agree. I'm learning more of that. My wife is big on the business side. I want to connect. I want to connect with people. I want to connect with the community. So that's me. So I, I try to balance that. Right. But when I don't balance that, when I get too involved, I'm not as relational. I'm an unhealthy situation. So I can see how that's super important. So those that uh, I, I'm looking forward to hearing your little trick there. And I'll probably light my own cigar <laughs> and sit in the back and, and kind of just kind of uh, listen to you back there away from the, from the women. The women don't like when I like my cigar near them. I kind of get hey, my, the my husband will join you. Yeah. He, great. He we'll cigars. sit there in the I'll back then. There. Yeah. <laughs> there and, yeah. That'll be awesome. <laughs> That'll be awesome. So you have those kind of things going, those kind of things happening. Life's good. Life's, but now, but where do these other things that I see come in? I mean, obviously, Mount Kilimanjaro. Why? Why did you do that? When did you do that? Um, I did it in twenty, like seventeen, twenty eighteen. What was I the reason that. behind it? Is it a bucket list? Is it something <laughs> to see if I could? Great. Um, no. So yeah, after um, after I had cancer, so I had gained a hundred pounds between my cancer treatment and by the time it was almost done, um, right. I had the crazy form, uh, aggressive form of thyroid cancer. And so they took my thyroid out. It was a very quick surgery and I had to go through radiation and all these different treatments and I couldn't be on any medicine. So I ballooned up and I was like, Oh, what am I going to do? And they're like, yeah. you're always going to be overweight. 
you don't have a thyroid. So you're just, that's the way you're going to be. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not. Like, <laughs> no way. And yeah. I did yeah. the only thing that I could do at the time is I started walking because I was too overweight to go to the gym. You know, it was embarrassing. Right. So I started walking and then I started hiking. Then I'm like, I'm actually loving this hiking thing. It totally chilled me. Um, and then I started going further and further and challenging myself more and more because, and I would see the weight just coming off. Yeah. So I ended up losing, you know, a hundred pounds and then some thinner than I was before oh, anything wow. happened. Yeah. Uh, but the cool thing is, is I traveled, I started traveling all over the world to hike and I'm like, I wonder if I could Mount Kilimanjaro. I want to try it. Yeah. And I trained I wore like the, you know, the mask, you know, like they just, I don't know, I forgot it was like Creed or something like that showed the oxygen deprivation mask. Yeah. But I would be wearing like my hiking boots, my mask, and then I put 50 pound weights because we had carrier gear. Yeah, rock. In the back. Yeah, yeah. And I was like dork central. I'm like, I don't care though. And I just put a sign because people would stop me. They're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I'll be like, train for Kilimanjaro. Um, yeah. But I did it. I flew to Africa by myself. And I met up with a, a group of people from all over the world. And yeah, we did Killy. And then we went, uh, you know, on safari after that yeah. time of my life, lifelong friends. And awesome. after that, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I yeah, yeah, I did it. I did it. I did it. No, no. But to like, me, that's hurt for like three months after that. I'm but sure. I'm glad I'm... I did it. Yeah, oh, yeah no. And I think that's the important thing. And I think that's where I see that. Like the whole, my dad beat cancer. And he was at having a hard time. Uh, he had prostate cancer real young and he was just having a hard time with it. And I, I remember I, I was like, I, what do you want to like? I was thinking about my dad, like what, what, what could I get him back into? Like, give him that focus, give him that something. And I remember for Christmas one year, I was able to, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to buy him a Harley and I surprised him with this Harley Davidson and he started crying when he saw it. And I'm like, Oh man, I don't, see my dad cry i mean he's a military guy so he cried maybe five times my whole life and every time he does it it shocks you you're emotional because you're like wow but he drives that thing everywhere and it just gives him life because why not why not drive a harley like i just beat cancer and he beat it again so i think those are the things that sometimes jump start us in some ways of that's what i'm talking about storms like god forbid I, no one wants to have cancer no one wants to be raped or molested no one wants to have unfortunate things dealt to you but when they do when some things come at you to try to take your life you actually find it and i think biblically you know sometimes so you know awesome. you can see where it says hey man sometimes you got to lose your life to find your life you know like that's super important to understand and so i think i see that when you did kilimanjaro i mean i do i see i mean i started a brewery after a divorce because i'm like no I'm freaking going after it now. I'm not just a retired baseball player who's going to sit around and golf and hunt all day. I mean, I kind of want to, but you know what? That's not me. You know, that's not my boys. They, 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 that's not a good legacy, but that's what actually went from, I don't know if I want to do a brewery. I was like, I don't know, to no, I'm doing it. You know, almost like you're saying, I'm doing it. I'm finding life here. I'm going to find my life of community and I'm relational and I'm going to find that. So it's super important to hear some of those stories even on the adventure side. And, and I'm a huge adventure guy. Like we, my wife and I climb and hunt everything. So we do all kinds of fun stuff. And, and, and so, but it gives you life. It does. It gives you purpose, gives you an understanding of the world is a lot bigger than you. You are not what it's all about. God, there's a creation out there. You know, I think that's important. Exactly. 
exactly. And, and you know, people take their time and their lives and their relationships, all that stuff for granted so much. And what near-death experiences do, you know, when you come close to not having that life is you're like, well, wait a second, I really need to appreciate this time I have and be present yeah. with what I'm doing yeah. and the things that, you know, mattered to me before cancer, before I ha also have a blood clotting disorder that's tried to take me down twice. Got you. Like when you overcome those things, you're like, I don't care about, you know, working after 530 anymore. Like, why am yeah. I working after 530? You know what? For what? To make an extra, you know, thousand dollars? Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Those things don't matter anymore. What matters is spending time with the people that you love, doing the things that bring you joy, helping other people. And then when you are your truly like your most authentic self, the, the self that you were meant to be, when you start embracing what your gifts are, the world just opens up. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny. It, and like as I mentioned before, it's like when I started doing what I'm supposed to be doing, my business doubled mm. so much. So where, I mean, I did, I, I worked 40 hours a week and I was, you know, making money and helping all these people and, and being able to affect the lives of all these other people that I've helped or we've helped in the, in the, in the past. And now I literally just quit my job. Someone else took over my mortgage business and I have really embrace like i'm like okay jen i meant to speak to other people to tell my stories about overcoming and how you can have success and life balance and how to do it but i'm also coaching people oh good and i believe it in what i'm doing and my calling so much like i literally i gave everything up again and can i fail yeah i totally can do i think i'm going to no do i think i'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing now. Yeah. Because I can feel it with like every bit of me that yeah. the very bold, crazy move that everyone's like, you're doing what you are the top yeah, person yeah. in San Antonio. Yeah. You're going to give it all up, you know, to coach yeah. people. I'm yeah. like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And to speak too. Yeah, you know? no, I think it's great. I think that that, <laughs> that, that kind of energy is, is needed. So you found life, but you have dealt with several scenarios that are really, really tough. And I've read this book and it's a good one. If you're listening out there, however you believe in God, it doesn't really matter. The book, the concept is crazy awesome. It's called Unoffendable. It's really, really good. And it's basically saying we have no reason to be offended. And people are, well, what if they no. do this? It doesn't matter. There's no reason. And it's tough because he even talks about, look, I, I, I see life gets tough. It gets hard. And you're right. Some guy flips you off on the drive or when you don't know somebody. Yeah, you don't have reason to be offended, but you don't have a reason to be offended. Even when something is personal or someone close to you offends you or something actually happens to you that could damage you emotionally or physically or mentally, you don't have a right to be offended. And everybody I remember when I was thinking about that, I was like, what? This guy's nuts. But then I was, and he actually was saying, no, I used to think the same way until I started looking into it. And you really don't. And if you hold on to bitterness, you actually will affect your life mentally, physically, emotionally, your health goes down. So I think about that a lot because I've had several scenarios in my life kind of go wrong. And I'm like, man, I got to work on forgiving. You have to, you have to do it's the only way to free yourself. And I remember the, the thing he said to me, it's crazy cool. He said, man, you don't forgive somebody. Because 
what they does because they deserve it. You don't forgive someone for that. You forgive someone because what happened to you, you didn't deserve. That's why you forgive. And I'm like, well, that changed the whole dynamic on my view. <laughs> you know, like, well, now it's easier to forgive because you're damn right I didn't deserve that. And I'm going to be fired up about it. And so now I can forgive because I didn't deserve it. Now I can do that. And so you start thinking about it. And it was freeing. I've done it with several people. You know, I've even done it with my ex-wife. Like I had to write it. My wife encouraged me to write a letter to her to forgive. Like all these things are like, man, this is a lot better. It feels a lot better. So now, but I think your situation and you go into as far as you want to go into it. I just know that you, you in your bio of the, the rape and the molestation, like for me, I obviously I'm not a woman and I know it can happen to, to men, but I'm like, that would be a tough thing to think about, like how I, trying to forgive that because that's a huge violation and not just physically. That's a huge violation on every spectrum of life that of our war make emotionally, mentally, physically, every part of our being like that affects all of it. So to be able to mm -hmm. forgive, have you done that? And if you have process that with me a little bit because you obviously are a go-getter yeah, you're a go-getter it's pretty deep yeah, yeah. and, and I, I don't mind uh sharing about it I'll, I'll do it like at a super high level and, and sure. i'll talk about the molestation it was a, a a cousin okay um and it would you know happen at family parties from the time i was three until about seven or eight years old and you know it's funny you remember because we're about this i'm a little older than you are but do you remember uh back like on TV, they would have like these educational moments where it's like the star with the rainbow, and it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. there was one, yeah, okay, right? You know, what I'm talking yeah. about, yeah. Um, yeah. So there was one um, on there, and I never said anything to anyone about it. And there was one on theirs, and it was talking about like if someone's doing something to you that is not right, that you should tell someone. And I was like, oh, maybe right. I should tell someone. Yeah. But you know, going, you know, going through that, and I, and I felt like. I don't know. I mean, it, mom and dad, forgive me for saying this, but it was swept underneath the rug because that's yeah. what we did back then, right? Sure. That's what we um, were taught to do. That's what their parents did. I mean, no one aired out their family laundry because, right. you know, what would you think, right? Yep. But I, I never throughout my entire, I mean, it, it affected the way I felt about myself. Um, it affected my self-worth. But what and I made a lot of bad decisions in relationships sure. and, and just yeah. the dumb stuff I used to do when I was a teenager right. and in my early 20s and even into my 30s. But what helped me the most um, is I did. Uh, so I went through trauma therapy. Okay. Yeah. So and one of the, the things that, that we talked about was I, I had to put myself, it was like chair therapy. It was like gestalt chair therapy. And I had to be me talking to the guy mm. and then I had reverse roles and then I had to answer as if I was him. Oh boy. And oh my gosh, like talk about whew, yeah. deep tears. I mean, profound tears, but what also came through that is I forgave him mm. and I tried to see, you know, what he did was, un I mean, really it was awful, but then yeah. I was like, well, what happened to him? What happened to him that made him like that? You know, yeah. there had to be something else. And when I started seeing things from a, a different perspective, and, and I'm not saying what he did was right, 
uh, at all. Uh, but what I'm saying is that I could see things from a different point of view of more loving and understanding point of view. And I began to pity him. Mm. Like I felt sorry for like, what kind of, what kind of childhood, like what happened? Yeah. Like how and, God sees uh, us probably, you know, yeah, that like and, yeah. exactly. And, and, um, but it, it helped me to release it and just wipe that slate clean because I got to say everything I always wanted to say. Mm. um him and then he answered back meaning i answered him back and yeah. i said that i was sorry and and all that stuff so is you know it, in order to here's my point in, in order to be successful in, yeah. in anything in life we can't hold things from our childhood or even as an adult we can't hold those wrongs in us because it only hurts us right. and in order to release all of that stuff or when i say in order to be successful, you, you have to release, you got to find out why you are the way you are. And it's a mystery that literally is yours alone to solve. And you have to do the work and you have to go deep and you have to figure out and, and get rid of it so that you can make room for yeah. the real you, like the you that God made you to be. Yeah. Right. And it, it was a difficult journey. And it was, uh, I mean, just crazy story when I was going through all of that trauma therapy, like I grew a tumor. Oh, I grew wow. up a tumor. I was supposed to have surgery mm. and to get this tumor taken out. Yeah. But once I went through, like, I'm talking like a week before my surgery, I'm like, you know, I feel like it, I don't have the tumor anymore. And I went to the doctor and I'm like, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I need you to do another sonogram. Mm. And uh, sure enough, he's looking, he's looking and, 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 and he's like, well, it's gone. Mm. you know and so our bodies mm. and yeah being is that when we hold on to all these things it affects every bit of our body yeah and and growing up i was sick all the time i was sick oh, yeah. all the time crazy yeah. illnesses and tumors and my body grew all this stuff because i held all of that in and when mm. i released it the true like super healthy gen you know came yeah. out yeah, and... no, that's, that is awesome. <laughs> Cause you hear that, you hear that a lot. Like you hear people, I mean, it's not even like a, uh, I mean, this podcast people, it's not it's a biblical podcast, but I have faith in, in my journey, but it's not even from that perspective necessarily of forgiveness frees you. It does. It literally frees you emotionally. It frees you to do things. But I mean, we're talking, it's science. There are people that don't even believe in God that come out and say, when you're under a lot of stress, that's when disease hits. That's when these factors speed up. That's when these things come along. I mean, I had a doctor, he was doing some blood work on me and he looked at me and cause I was going through a lot and he said, he had never seen me before. And he said, well, you need to, you, you need to, you need to lose some weight. And he said, you need to work, you need to up your cardio and you got to, based on what I'm seeing, how many pounds are you overweight? And I'm like, doctor, I said, I box three times a week. I mountain bike four times a week. I work out four times a week and I golf and I walk when I golf and I hunt and I backpack up mountains to hunt. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm reading you as like 300 pounds. I'm like, I'm not even close. I'm 212 <laughs> and I'm actually at 7% body fat, which is the leanest I've ever been in sickly, not good, healthy body, like lean, like not good. Like I just lost 30 some pounds and I'm way too lean. And he's like, well, then you need to de-stress. Yeah, I'm trying. 
Like I'm going through a lot. And he's like, well, if you don't, you're going to get sick. And he goes, you have heart angina. So you could have, you're going to have a heart attack in four years. And I'm like, what? So I was like, that's what kind of triggered me to almost think like, I got to do something different for my children. Like I've got to, you know, and that's when some of my process took place of like, no, I'm de-stressing. I'm not going to let people get to me. I got no reason. And I started loving life, you know, and you forget about it. And you get back into, you kind of do the roller coaster, right? And then you kind of forget about those things. But this just reminds me what you said. It's just, it's not worth you being upset and not being able to control any of that change is not worth your health. And it's not worth your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, your relational health. It's not, it's not worth it. You know, like it's just not, and I'm, I appreciate you, you saying that that's very important. Yeah. So now you've yeah. moved on. Your biggest thing is now balancing. You can be successful. You can work. You can have that drive that you've always had also balance work life and a healthy home life. You can have a good, healthy life outside of work and carry that good, healthy life in work and be just as successful and manage both. You truly believe that. Right. I, I, I lived it. So you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. I live it now. And, you know, it's just, it's figuring it out, making the right priorities and uh, just doing a few little things that will make a significant difference in your life. So that is what I I love to speak about that topic because that's what everyone thinks. It's like, okay, you're in sales. You got to pick up the phone every single time it rings, you know, in order to get that deal. And yeah. you don't care if your kids or not, you know, if you're, you know, at a family party or not. I mean, you're so focused on the end goal, whatever you deem that goal to be, that you forget to live in the present moment. And then all of a sudden it's gone. Mm. So I really, you know, even in my coaching, I teach people like how to do it, how to put it into practice, how to love yeah. yourself, how to make time for like the stuff that you want to do too, instead of doing everything. I mean, and women are especially really good at this. They do everything for everyone else, but do nothing for themselves. And they yeah. think that they have to be, if you're the boss at work, and this is another one of my favorite topics, right? If you're the boss at work, they think carries over to being the boss at home. Yeah. And that's a lot of relationships. And I'm like, good, look, mm -hmm. I don't care what kind of relationship you're in. There's always a masculine and there's a feminine. Mm -hmm. If you are married, your husband does not want to be with another guy, yeah, basically. Right. Right? Yeah. He wants someone who is feminine. He wants a wife, not yeah. a, another boss. Yeah. And once you figure out, you know, how to flip that switch, because that's something, again, I struggled with this. Yeah. Um, you know, I was the, the leader at work, the boss at work, and I would come home and I would bark orders, mm. right? And then wondered why no relationship ever worked. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I, you know, yeah. again, you, you figure it out like, okay, well, you know what? I don't have to do everything. Why yeah. do I don't want to be the boss at home? I'm going to let him lead yeah. um, and, and follow, right? And, and when I did that, my relationship flourished. And, and yeah. I do that now. With Michael, he and I have been married for about three and a half years. Oh, cool. And it's, man, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful relationship. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I, I turn it off when I get home or yeah. I'm working from home or just, I stop and say, look, you know, I respect him yeah. and show him like, you're the man. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure, sure. And it's not yeah, making it's me anything less of a person. No, um, absolutely not. Make me any less effective, but 
it changes things when you can flip that switch off. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, I appreciate that. I'm I'm looking forward to your talk. Like I said, your husband and I will be in the back smoking cigars, but smoking cigars, uh, yeah, I'll have them. <laughs> so it'll be it'll be a it'll be a good time. Well, I appreciate mm -hmm. you, Jen. Thank you so much for this podcast. This is really good. I appreciate your value, your view of life. My wife's big on empowering women. And I think that it's important that you as a woman saying, listen, leading at home, I mean, you can be a leader at home as well, but there's a difference and it's okay to be a powerful woman. It is okay to be a driven, powerful go-getter of a woman. I mean, I, I worked in a male-dominated industry, obviously in sports, but not just in sports, I guess more than just like baseball, right? Obviously, but you saw a lot of powerful women within sport, within baseball. And then I mm -hmm. get married to one that's just, crazy powerful in business and so it's really really refreshing and i like hearing it but i also like hearing the perspective you can be a powerful woman and you can balance your work life you don't have to be one or the other you can be both and that's important for men to hear though because i think what happens a lot of times men get scared if their wife gets too empowered because they're like oh god <laughs> this is going to be terrible i'm going to get bossed around i got no influence you know they get like that right it, it's yeah. it, it's natural for men to sometimes feel that way it's not true. That's not true at all. You, it is absolutely not. And power couples are super important. They're super important to this world. They're super important to our society. And showing power couples that can show they can be powerful both at home and at work are even more important to this society right now. So I appreciate what you had to say. That was great. So Amen. I'm super excited for you to come out and speak to this community. If you're in the area, you got to come listen. And frankly, men, it's women's night. But whenever I do men's night, my wife's like that rebel that I used to put chains right outside. You should chain the area, right? And like, this is men's night. I'm changing the area. Well, then my wife would sit like six inches from the chain. And I'd be like, all right. I just, it just, everybody just come in. I, whatever. You know, my wife's the one that's just going to sit in and do her thing. And so, guys, if you're in the area, I, th I encourage you guys to come as well. I think it's super important to hear because I think this men can learn a lot from you. Uh, so I appreciate your time, Jen. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I'll see you next month. Heck yeah. It's going to be awesome. You've been dialed into the Built for the Storm podcast with Jeremy Affel. And he strikes out. That's four straight for Affel. Can't do it any better than Jeremy Affel. If you like what you heard, please like, rate, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify today. Jeremy Athel here for Free Roam Brewing Company. Do you enjoy craft beer? I do. So I started Free Roam Brewing Company. Our logo, environment, and community all reflect the mighty buffalo, a creature built for the storm. It symbolizes inner strength, perseverance, and a love of freedom. Here at Free Roam Brewing Company, we are determined to strengthen our community through the love of craft beer. Our premium quality lagers and ales reflect the diverse experiences and tastes of our community. In a boundless world of potential beer styles, we cherish the freedom to roam. So if you're in the Bernie area, whether local or passing through, join us on Main Street and enjoy your freedom. Jeremy Affel here for the Hotel Via. I know you've heard it's at the intersection of sports, technology, and entertainment. But for me, it's my home away from home when I visit San Francisco. I can give you 50 great reasons why I chose Hotel Via, but it's easier for me to say it provides all the comforts of home, family owned and operated, and of course, it's across from the beautiful Oracle Park. So when you're coming to San Francisco for business, pleasure, vacation, or just coming to a sporting event, 
check in to the Hotel Via.